Good afternoon. Thank you for coming. Thank you. We have a big crowd today. <laughs> this afternoon we'll be discussing the uh, 64th Anucheta of Srila Jiva Goswami's Krishna Sandarbha. We're in the section of the Krishna Sandarbha wherein um, Srila Jiva Goswami is reinforcing the Parivas Sutra uh, through different evidences. Uh, he's likened uh, this section of his Krishna Sandarbha can be likened to um, a fourfold army of uh, logical presentation in support of the validity of the Parivas Sutra. So uh, this fourfold uh, approach uh, entails, first of all, showing that the statement of Krishna Stu Bhagavan Swayam is the at this particular area Jiva is showing that of all, in all the various dialogues in the Srimad Bhagavatam the Parivas Sutra should be should give us the illumination to see that all the major dialogues are about Lord Sri Krishna or this Krishnastu Bhagavan Swayam, that the original personality of Godhead is Lord Sri Krishna. And as we mentioned in our last discussion, uh, this is to a large extent uh, unique to the Gaudiya Vaishnava Sampradaya. And it's not so it's not a universally accepted fact that all the various manifestations are coming from uh, Lord Sri Krishna, that he's the avatari, the source of all manifestations. Um, some of the other uh, Vaishnava traditions look at Krishna as simply an avatara or a, a, uh, an avatar of the supreme Bhagavan Narayan. Uh, so, uh, the Gaudiyas, we have our conception, and uh, Jiva Goswami is our Tattva Acharya, and his, the basic uh, knowledge that comprises uh, our approach to spiritual reality is based on knowledge, sambandha, uh, practice, uh, abhideya, and attainment, prayogen. So the Krishna Sandarbha is the fourth Sandarbha and this fourth Sandarbha rounds out the Sambandha Gyan as presented in Jiva Goswami's um, Sat Sandarbhas or Bhagavat Sandarbhas. Bhagavat in this instance meaning the Srimad Bhagavatam. So the essence of the Bhagavatam is uh, providing Sambandha, Abhideya, and Prayojan and for, for our practice. And Jiva Goswami is systematically presenting 
these three items. So we've comprehensively come to this point. Jiva's comprehensively brought us here, showing first that the Bhagavatam is that light of all spiritual revelation, all scripture uh, providing the most intimate knowledge of the Supreme Absolute Truth. And then how that Supreme Absolute Truth is viewed differently by uh, different spiritual seekers. So, Brahmeti, Paramatmeti, Bhagavaniti, Sabjate. That different people look at the Supreme Absolute Truth differently. So, Krishna Sandarbha establishes the Bhagavatam, Bhagavat Sandarbha establishes Bhagavan as the topmost conception. Paramatma Sandarbha <clears throat> gives us knowledge of Bhagavan's manifestation of a material uh, creation and how he, he interacts with that creation, uh, both as the creator, the sustainer, and the maintainer, and also as the conduit for the descent of all the vis different avataric manifestations that come in a universe to maintain its integrity, its sp the spiritual fabric upon which uh, the manifestation can go on and not just be completely devastated by uh, misdeeds. Uh, Krishna place, uh, states it simply in his discourse with Arjuna, yada yadahi dharma sya glanir bhavati bharata butanam dharma sya tadatmanam srijamyaham whenever and wherever this tendency, natural tendency to cast moral uh, the moral underpinnings of our existence whenever this tendency takes hold in human society, I come myself to rectify the situation. When he says he comes himself, meaning that he descends, and those avataric descents are coming through the agency of the Paramatma feature of the Supreme. Except when the Supreme Lord himself descends. He doesn't come through that agency because he is the source of that agency. So Jiva's gone to some great lengths to, to show to give us this knowledge in his Paramatma Sandarbha. So now we have Bhagavan, this concept concept of the Supreme, and we have when the Supreme creates material manifestation or manifest the material manifestation I mean you could basically say is there really a creation when it's really a transformation of his own energy so some of course we commonly refer to that transformation of as a creation but it's just a cycle 
it's an ongoing cycle of manifestation and then he draws it back but there's not nothing there's nothing new in the world it's all coming through his energies and he is interacting with his energies and manifesting the material uh, phenomena and we are interacting with that and then he wraps it up and he wraps it up means he, it doesn't he doesn't destroy it although it appears like a destruction and he has his manifestation of Shiva the great destroyer but there's no real destruction because it's still just his energy and it's it's being wrapped up so establishing Bhagavan as the supreme topmost conceptualization and revelation of re spiritual reality then how does that Bhagavan interact and manifest the material creation which we are familiar with so it's kind of like a, a good entrance point for us understanding the Paramatma feature of the Lord because we can re relate to what we experience around us then we come to the Krishna Sandharva now when we look to all these various manifestations of God because he's a pretty big fella he everything is coming from him unlimited universes we're in one little universe and we're thinking we're the all-in-all -all in our universe but there's unlimited universes coming from the supreme as revealed in scripture and um, and we are we're thinking that it's all about us this is you know but it's it's so much not so that false sense of self and self-importance um, needs to be rectified so a complete turning of consciousness will allow us a level of experience in living in existing um, that far exceeds anything that we have experienced up to this point so it's it's a whole a whole new world is opening up to us through scriptural revelation what is basically scriptural revelation what does this mean scriptural revelation it means that those that actually experienced something beyond the purview of the material senses who have actually entered into spiritual understanding that far far exceeds material experience they have laid down for us in a systematic manner that revelation so that we can get some glimpse it's not they can give us a lot 
through their through their revelation i can i can explain to you a lot of the, an experience i had i was driving down a road one evening in a in a state of inebriation and in that state i lost consciousness i rolled my vehicle over it was a uh, you know i woke up in a ditch with broken limbs i can tell you all about it but as well as i might be able to explain any experience whether it be driving down a road and and, and practically killing myself due to you know insanity from intoxication to any other experience my explaining it and your experiencing it are always going to be two different things i can only take you so far you know you're not the pain that i was in when i broke my legs and my arms the pain with the what was in my head because i crushed open my skull i can tell you you can't imagine how much pain i was in and guess what you can't imagine how much pain i was in it's a factual statement until you experience it yourself so scriptures like that for us in the beginning but spiritual pursuit is unique in that it's coming to us from the transcendental plane so when the sadhus when the sages when the acharyas and the gurus when they convey their spiritual revelation to us in writing in dialogues uh, when they share that with us it gives us in the beginning an outside perspective oh it must be like this the supreme must be like that brahman is like this you can't imagine the brightness of 10 million suns coming up simultaneously you know we can hear from bhagavad-gita what krishna what arjuna experienced of the lord's uh varat rupa his universal manifestation on the battlefield of kurukshetra but you really got to be there you really have to have that revelation but as i said spiritual knowledge is a little different because it's coming from the transcendental plane and we ourselves at our essence are spiritual in nature because of that as we hear more and more the revelation of these sadhus and the saints and the great saint sadhu authors who have penned their experience for us or have taken it brought brought it to us in specific succession one master to, to one student who becomes a master it's passed down and as it becomes passed down as explained in the bhagavatam it becomes sweeter and sweeter it becomes the revelation is is passed down in such a way that we can have a glimmer into that spiritual experience which we may not even be qualified for yet but as we become more and more qualified 
by more and more hearing and more and more association, then we enter deeper and deeper into the understanding. And then the beginning, even going to the class and associating with the sadhus and associating with the devotees because of the level of our material contamination may be a bit of a struggle for us. It may be a little difficult to even show up. But if we can just show up and and just and just keep coming and keep hearing in association, then gradually what is difficult to he hear, you're in Maya, this material world is not a place of enjoyment. What do you mean? I just got a girlfriend. What, what do you mean? I just got a good job. I'm making you know, 80 grand a year and I'm buying a sports car and monthly payments, but it's me and the bank will own it. And, you know, I, I go and I hear the sadhus and they're telling me this is all going to end badly for you. How's it going to end badly? I mean, you know, it's, 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 I'm, I'm doing all right. So in the beginning, it might be a little difficult to hear these things that there's no happiness in the material world. Well, that's not what I'm experiencing. I go to the nightclubs. I, I mean, you know, there's a lot of happiness here. I'm, so we have these sense, we have a, a false sense of where happiness is and gradually hearing more and more and then having a taste of the other side of the happiness, the distress, we start to to deepen our understanding. So back to where we are in this Krishna Sandarbha. So we have this concept of Bhagavan, this idea of Paramatma that's being relayed to us. And now Jiva is taking us to another place in, this, in the revelation of the Bhagavat that the topmost manifestation of Bhagavan is Krishna and the Bhagavat Purana makes it clear and has a very in just one place this very clear presentation all these various avatars that are going to be presented in this Purana and that I have just listed Sudha Goswami has just gone down a list this avatar and that avatar as we went over in the last discussion all of these are coming through the various agencies of the original personality Swayam Bhagavan the original Bhagavan and that Bhagavan is Krishna So here Jiva Goswami is saying, and the various dialogues in the Bhagavat Purana are all pointing to Krishna as the topmost manifestation. So this 64th Anucheta is dealing with a very significant dialogue. The uh, Chatur Sloki. Now the Chatur Sloki is Brahma or the creator of the universe's personal spiritual revelation. At the beginning of the creation, 
the Bhagavad explains to us that Brahma didn't know what was going on. Where did I come from? What, a, what am I sitting on? Where is this place? Where's it's, you know, he's, we can't, it's hard for us to imagine, but he's tried to convey to us his story. And his story is, and we can imagine what it could have been like, he suddenly comes to awareness, a conscious awareness of, I am here. But I don't know where I'm here, where here is. I don't know where I came from. I don't know. I can't see anything around me. I imagine, imagine coming to a, a awareness in a dark room. You can't see anything. Your seat is a little unsteady. You can imagine it's a flower growing from the on a it's on a stem. You don't know it's a flower. You don't know there's a stem. You know there's a little movement there. And you're like you're bewildered. Who am I? Where did I come from? How did I get here? Now, our births aren't quite like that because we don't have that much awareness in the beginning. And in the beginning, we're, you know, we're fondled by, you know, our mother and fed and, you know, oh, look, the environment is, look, everything's, everything's fine. I'm a little hungry and I just go, hungry. Ah. Somebody sticks, you know, nourishment in my mouth oh that tastes good so it's not different. he didn't have that brahma if we were to if we were to if we're to understand his his narrative of, of what it was like he was like completely lost but aware aware of of, of his he did as he explored as much as he could, and it, he he couldn't he couldn't come to any reasonable conclusion. I think it explains he kind of got up off his seat and he looked around the the, the stem of the lotus. Might have even crawled down it and seen where's it. What's the source? He couldn't he couldn't find the source. He goes back up and he's just. I mean, he's done all that. He's explored all his avenues. He's done all he can do. He's, he's, imagine. There's nothing left for him to do. He can't, he's he's tried to find out where, what's the source, where's his source, what's he doing, where is he, what's he supposed to do here, you know. And in that position, he he's he's bewildered and the bhagavatam explains in his narrative that all of a sudden he hears these two syllables 
Tapa. Here's him a couple times. Tapa. And, of course, he also, he, he, it's not that his consciousness is not a developed consciousness. It's not like, you know, what we would say is our undeveloped consciousness when we take a material body. He, he received a material body, and that, that body did have the facilities of, of, of an awareness, a consciousness, some scars, some, some background. And that background afforded him the opportunity to understand what were those syllables that he was hearing. And he understood from those syllables that he had to in, engage in some some serious contemplation, tapa. So it's, it wasn't that he had to do push-ups or he had to, uh, you know, uh, uh, do headstands. He had a, he he understood that the best tapa he could do is to 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 fix his mind and to to. Uh, not be bewildered by his circumstance, but to rather concentrate on the nature of his being. So he engaged in this tapa for an extended period of time. And I'm going to share with you a little bit of a explanation of the revelation that Brahma experienced as it's presented, it was presented in an article by Swami Triparari calling Approaching the Chatur Sloki, Chatur Sloki. And uh, I've just extracted some and then I'll read a little from his dialogue. So, of course, this Chatur Sloki is Brahma's revelation. Brahma's revelation is, it comes comes in the form of a dialogue with the Supreme Lord after he had fixed his consciousness and made a determination uh, through that fixing of his consciousness, uh, just as Srila Vyasudeva uh, in giving the Bhagavatam itself, he had a personal revelation. So Brahma, Brahma was visited by the Supreme Lord. And in that uh, visit, um, the following dialogue ensued between the Supreme and Brahma. And it's generally understood that this discourse was internal. It's not like Krishna descended and sat in front of him on the lotus flower but rather this was an internal revelation. Uh, Antara Darshan inside. And in this revelation, Brahma presented some questions to Krishna and Krishna responded to the questions as they were asked by Brahma. Uh, one interesting uh, lead up to this uh, is relayed uh, in the Bhagavatam uh, uh, as follows. The Lord said, the Lord is now talking to Brahma, please understand the most secret knowledge of my form. 
along with realization of that form, and also understand about Prem Bhakti and Sadhana Bhakti, which will be spoken by me. What's interesting here in the verse, Yanam Paramaguyam, that this is most secret. I'm going to tell you, okay, you want to know, you're asking questions about me. I'm going to respond to your questions. And this, this is not, this is very special knowledge. This is secret knowledge. It's, it's meant for those that are, that are truly spiritually aware or spiritually inquisitive or both. And imagine how spiritually aware Brahma is that he's able to enter into internal samadhi and have this dialogue with God and ask him questions and have a dialogue one-on-one. So, Brahma asked Krishna four questions. What is the nature of your form in all respects? So this question is regarding Sambandha Gyan. What's the nature? I'm seeing you as, as the Supreme. What's the nature of this form? The Supreme Absolute Truth? You, you have a form. I can see it in front of my eyes. What is the nature of this? Brahma goes on to say, uh, how, do you, how do your various energies interact? So he wants to know also, what about all of your all of your energies? How do they work? How do you have a form? That's kind of a pretty far, how do, how does God have a form? And how how does all your how does this all work? How do all your energies, all your potencies, how do they, how do they interact? How does how does that all work? Also some Bandagyan. Then his third question actually is about the ultimate attainment, Pryogen. Now, normally it's Sambandha, Abhideya, and Pryogen, the practice. First the knowledge, then practice in, pers- in pursuit of the, the, that knowledge, and then the revelation. But Brahma's third question is about what's the attainment? What is the nature of your Leela filled with pre- filled with praying for you? And then the fourth question is, how can I attain you, Abhideya? So, what's the nature? And that's also interesting. I mean, to know to know what's the sweetness of you? What's the love? What's the relate? What's the relationship that one has with you? And then, what can I have? What how can I get it? So a different approach. Sri Krishna replied to Brahma's question in six verses. Two, which is like a preface to his responses, and then the four essential verses, the Chatusloki of the Srimad Bhagavatam. So remember, this is all in relationship to the fact that Krishna is the primary primary uh, subject matter of the Bhagavat Purana. So, first of all, Krishna's replies, and these we're going to read more or less as um, Swami Tripurari presented them in this article. Um, He's written the following. So, response for the 
to the first one is how you should approach these answers that I'm going to give you. I'm going to answer your questions, but I'm going to preface that with this is how you should approach these answers. Please take this confidential knowledge, which we just read the verse that that's from, of my opulence, Gyan, and the special and more confidential knowledge of my sweetness, Vigyan, in relation to my original form, Swayam Bhagavan. This knowledge culminates in the mystery of the highest love for me, praying, Rahasyam, which is attend, attended by various bhavas, Tad Angana, or Tad Angam, and is attained by Raganuga Sadhana Bhakti, supported by Vaidhi Bhakti, Vaidhi Sadhana Bhakti, in the form of hearing and chanting about and meditating on me, Tad Angam. Now you should endeavor to tread this path of praying. Then he goes on to say, I bless you. Now that's pretty nice. When the guru blesses you. And guess what? You're, go you're going to be able to assimilate what I'm going to give you. Because I'm going to give you the power to attain a comprehensive understanding of my responses in a way that they will serve you and nourish you spiritually. I bless you that you may realize in praying all that I, the cowherd son of Nanda, am, my form, qualities, nature, activities, and existence. Let these be awakened within you and by my mercy. And then he proceeds to, to deliver the four verses that comprise the Chatur Sloki. And this is the rendering of uh, Swami Triparari in relation to those responses. So the first verse, in response to the first question, what is this form? What's the nature of this form I'm seeing? So Brahma responds, Knowledge of my form is this. I existed along with my eternal retinue, both in Vaikuntha, I existed along with my eternal retinue, both in Vaikuntha, in my form as Narayan, and in my confidential abode, Goloka, in the form of a cowherd, before the world of material experience was manifested from me. I am the cause and also the effect of the world itself, in that the world is constituted of my energies and nothing more. It is I who also oversee the world and enter into it in the form of countless avatars. When, by my arrangement, the world again becomes unmanifest, I continue to exist along with my associates in abode. Pretty much self-explanatory. I'm here, I exist in Vaikuntha as Narayan, I exist in a more confidential abode called Goloka as Krishna, the son of Nanda, uh, and all this comes through the agency of my energies, it's experienced, and then it's wrapped up, but my, exist, my spiritual existence in the transcendental realm continues perpetually.
Then he answers the second question. The second question was, how does all your how does all your pot how do all your potencies work, your shaktis? You ask about my shakti. My shaktis are dependent upon me, and they do not exist apart from me. Under my under the influence of my Maya Shakti, the Jiva Shakti perceives value in that which appears unrelated to me and is also unrelated to the Jiva itself. By my Shakti, the Jiva experiences the Maya Shakti and sees it independent of even being a Shakti of mine. And they put value in it. Well, it has no value. It has all value, but it has no value. What do you mean it has all value? It has, it has no value if it's seen independent of me, and it has all value if it's seen as one of my energies. So it's a matter of perception. So it's my Shakti. All my Shaktis are, are a manifestation of me. They're all worshipable. They're all, it's in relationship to an object of our love and affection. Everything about that object of our affection is lovable by us. Even the stool of the baby is not rejected by the mother as undesirable for the most part. She can tolerate it. What to speak if your child was Krishna? <laughs> so, but if you see it unrelated to Krishna, then uh, that's my separated material energy. Such perception is only a reflection of that which has real value. The perception is a reflection. It's an important point of philosophy. Succinctly presented here. It is only darkness, not the light of my Sharup Shakti, which gives prame to the Jiva Shakti. So if you can see things in the proper way, if you have the proper conceptual orientation regarding the Shaktis of the Lord, then everything makes perfect sense. Otherwise, it's a reflection of reality, which is not truly a reality because it's not based in fact. And the fact is Krishna. Then the third response to the third question is, what is that highest loving relationship one can have with the Supreme? Krishna responds, The nature of Prem is most confidential. It is something like the gross elements, which, while all pervasive, are at the same time localized within the bodies of the jivas. Slimly, although I myself am all pervasive, I simultaneously appear within the hearts of my Prem Bhaktas. Indeed, in Prem I appear within their hearts and outside their hearts, standing in front of them. My mother saw me to be all-pervasive 
but with a rope of her love she tied me up and I could not escape. I am the supreme controller, but at the same time I am controlled by my devotee's praying. My Leela is behind everything, and yet at the same time it appears on earth. I am one with everything and different from it at the same time. And this inconceivable metaphysical reality is the canvas on which the art of my pastimes of Prem are drawn. So he's answered Brahma's third question. Well, this is this is what it's all about, loving me. It's really that's that's the basis you ask about what it, what is that highest attainment? Um, what is the the priogen? What is what is what is it like to experience that? It's inconceivable and very confidential. But let me give you an analogy. It's something like like the gross elements. You can't understand. Matter is all around you, but you are made of matter. It's in you. So so this is something like that. Not like that a lot, but it gives you an analogy to start with. The love of my devotees for me permeates everything. In fact, this whole material creation is an outpouring of that love between Krishna and his devotees. Jiva's already made that point at the end of his Paramatma Sandarbha, that the only reason there's another manifestation of the material creation is because of the love of Krishna for his devotees, the love of his devotees for him. They hadn't perfected their love, so they had to give, be give, provided with a stage, a material manifestation upon which they could continue to pursue that love to its topmost extreme. That's Jiva's explanation for material creation. It's a unique Gaudiya perspective that Everything is based on praying. And then Brahma's fourth uh, question, how can I attain it? The means to attain me, to attain praying, is thus. First of all, one must be interested in understanding the highest truth. Such interest will be best served at the feet of the guru. Therein, one will systematically learn the nature of karma, jnana, yoga, bhakti, and now prem bhakti, and how prem bhakti is the highest truth. The guru will teach all of these things and thus directly and indirectly explain the glory of prem bhakti. Drawing from the sacred texts and thereby making the student one-minded. One must then follow me in the form of the guru by enthusiastically rendering service. This means at all times and in all circumstances, those favorable and those unfavorable circumstances. You got you to be fully dedicated all the time when things are going nicely and when things don't seem to be going the way you'd like them to. 
making this effort one's life and soul. Krishna tells Brahma that he is giving him theoretical knowledge, jnana, from revealed scripture, the Shruti. Krishna then tells Brahma that this knowledge, when applied, leads to realization, vigyan, of an eternal relationship with Bhagavan. Both theoretical knowledge that informs one's bhakti and realized knowledge that informs it further. Theoretical knowledge is relative to sadhana bhakti. Realized knowledge is relative to prem bhakti. So that's a, a simple synopsis of an article on the revelation of Brahma. And then we will get in our next discussion to the uh, actual heart of the Anucheda, wherein Jiva Goswami shows that this particular dialogue between Brahma and Krishna in one particular kalpa or lifetime of Brahma and here again terminology is everything sometimes we hear kalpa and we think that's a day of Brahma sometimes it's a mahakalpa which is a lifetime of Brahma then we get into well the Bhagavat Purana explains that Brahma heard this Chaturvyuha at the beginning of the creation, which would be on his first day, in his first year. He heard this, and therefore, as revealed in the Gopal Tapani Upanishad, this was, he was then, he was then completely completely spiritualized by the instructions of his guru. Others would say, well, if he heard it on the very first day, what about this Leela of him chasing his daughter? He couldn't have been very realized if, if that happened. So therefore, how do you reconcile these things? Well, some sadhus will reconcile by saying, it was a different Brahma or the same Brahma in a different creation cycle, a different lifetime of, a, of Brahma. Some will say that it's, it's a, a Leela that's instructive and that truly Krishna can put his devotee in the most awkward of circumstance and still he maintains his pure position. So there's a little bit of that in this uh, not in this particular commentary of Satyanarayan. Well, what about this day? And then specifically, Vishwanath gets into this pretty deeply. If you read his, this chapter of the Bhagavatam um, from the second canto, ninth chapter, this is where the dialogue takes place. And it's related by um, Sukadev to Maharaj Parikshit uh, in his, because now we're in the second, second canto. First canto ends, Sutta, Sutta, Sutta 
is there through the first the whole first canto and then Sukadev becomes the primary speaker at the beginning of the second canto. So I, I do want to go through this Anucheta a little bit systematically, it, it, uh, bringing out the way that Jiva Goswami presents uh, his arguments, because there's many that would say that Brahma didn't hear directly from Swayam Bhagavan. First of all, they wouldn't accept that the topmost manifestation of the Supreme is Krishna, see him as another avatar. Well, Jiva's already dispensed with those arguments. But others will argue that he heard the Chatur Sloki not from Swayam Bhagavan, Sri Krishna, but he heard the Chatur Sloki through um, would be Garbo Dakshai Vishnu. He was on the lotus of Garbo Dakshai Vishnu, so it would seem a natural consequence of his of where he was that he his revelation was coming from his source, and he was his source was Garbo Dakshai Vishnu. That's where he. It's the source of his birth on the lotus. So he had to have been enlightened from him. And Jiva, Jiva's going to give us arguments to show no. And he's going to use uh, not only the Bhagavatam to support his his presentation that it was Krishna that he heard from, uh, but also Gopal Tapani Upanishad and, uh, and also the Brahma Samhita. So there's a lot of argument here that uh, we'll we'll read through and uh, and glean some further understanding of um, Jiva's approach as our Tatvacharya. Any questions? All right. Thank you much for your association. <laughs>